on this episode of the Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry podcast. It's me, Joshua Long, and my co-host, Kevin Inchmendia, talking with each other about who we are, how we came up in the industry, and just kind of being awesome. So if you want to listen to the best episode of the year, stay tuned. Only took you three minutes to get the intro done, but... Hey, you know... It's done. It's when it's just you talking about yourself and that's not hard for not you not really having someone to intro it you gotta kind of think about what am i gonna say yeah okay you've been thinking about this for four days how am i gonna make myself sound great mm. well i do practice speaking into a microphone when i'm home by myself just so yeah, i have that radio voice do you really no <laughs> really <laughs> what am, am i that much of a narcissist not that they are a narcissist, but I can see you practicing in a microphone being like, hey, Joe, what is for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm the one that cooks, so I don't have to ask her what's dinner. Well, she still tells you what to do, so. That's true. Pretty consistently. <laughs> I think every wife does. Yeah, that's for damn sure. No, not in a bad way. It's don't not. Don't take that wrong. It's just that men are stupid. So. Is this going to make it into the episode? Probably. Okay. Well, you know, it's a good, this episode is all about like who we are, right? They're getting a good, you know, most of the episodes we kind of sit down and you guys hear us ask other people's questions. So I think this is the first time like everyone's going to get to really figure out who we are. And I know there's a few people out there that kind of wanted to listen to the podcast just to hear us be us. And then they didn't, we didn't deliver on that the first four episodes. Four, four and, episodes. Yeah. So fi yeah. finally they get to hear who we are. Yeah. Five EPs in. They get the real package. Yeah, that's... This for, might be... For better or for worse. Yeah, this just might be two madmen's ramblings about nothing today. But, you know, that's what the internet is nowadays. Yeah, TikTok and... TikTok and... I've never even got into TikTok. Dude, neither have, have I. Dylan was just like... Of course Dylan does. He's a millennial. He was rambling about it yesterday for like five minutes. What, uh, bi like bitching about it or like no, talking no. about how awesome it is? Yeah, that one. Talking oh, yeah. about how and I, I was, so um, our offices, as you know, mm -hmm. are a little kitty corner. So I can like kind of pop my head out and he can kind of pop his out out. And next thing you know, we're like not working for the next 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, Kevin. It's like, what? You, you on TikTok? No, I'm not on TikTok. Like, I, am I 12? <laughs> like, I, well, that's the thing. That's the first thing that comes to mind because my seven-year-old niece and 10-year-old niece yep. are on TikTok. I mean, as, as much as I hate to say it, it, TikTok's a reality. And at some point, everyone's going to have to get on it, yeah. whether they bash it or not. Like, although there's this big... The next episode, we're going to announce we have a TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> have you heard, heard the whole thing with it, though, to where it's like the government says don't use it because it's basically, yeah, I guess it was built by Russia or some bullshit. And they're saying whatever's on it, you know, like... Yeah, don't install it on your phone. Well, that's going to be easy for me. There's some conspiracy scare tactics for this episode. Oh, um, anyway, so so yeah, it's uh, it's a new year for us, um, yep. 2020, and it's starting off um, very crazy to say the least. Yeah, you have a few jobs coming up, and um, yep. I'm pretty much I'm on set for. Nine out of the next twelve days. Well, absolutely insane. So, um, yeah. What do you have? Uh, what do you have going on? Yeah, I mean, I'm planning like three projects at the same time while still operating a business. You know, that needs to sell and you know make money as well. So, um, what? Well, and then doing other things like this. You know, doing the whole marketing game and you know running a podcast and also starting a on-set clothing line called Film Threads, hmm. which is going to supposed to come out Q1, but we'll see if that stays on target. I I, I had a feeling Joe was going to move forward with that. No, I, actually, the wife has really nothing to do really? with it. I mean, she's advising me on like, you know, how to get it started and, you know, well, she giving would, me some ideas and stuff. She was the one who gave me the little tidbit behind it um, when we were... Oh, really? Uh, well, saying that you were talking about it. She, mm. It was kind of the, the ins yeah, I mean, insider trader kind of she's, thing. She's helping me extensively. I'm not trying to downplay what her involvement whatsoever. Um, you know, cause all my ideas for shirts pass through her yeah. well, as, as most, I think husband's ideas pass through their wives eventually. Yeah. Um, but all my ideas pass through her and, you know, she kind of tells me which, 
shite and not and you know what she if she laughs at it then i probably have a good shirt you know or a good idea or something all right so give us a little rundown on that no film threads is just a you know clothing line for cinephiles on and off set so shirts you can wear on set you know that t-shirts hoodies i I would compare it to vans because anyone that knows me knows i wear a shitload of vans from top to bottom okay even the underwear um but it's basically like that. It's basically kind of very California skate line for, but film set oriented. So, um, it's not going to be just like your typical black t-shirt with white lettering on it. It's going to be like actual, you know, drawn graphics, you know, kind of stylized t-shirts. It will be a private labeled line. So it's not going to be a t-shirt on a, you know, fruit of loom. It's our shirt, you know, with our label on it. And say line, um, and we'll you know we'll do things like hoodies and you know other things like that. So yeah, should be it's going to be interesting. So we're also kind of going after a couple artists that have already done kind of you know their own work, um, and so I'm not going to say who they are or anything like that yet because um, I don't think that'll be till like end of the year. Um, but we're trying to license their work to get their stuff on our shirts as well. So. Yeah, it should be interesting. See how that goes. Sweet. It's just a pipe dream, so it could fail gloriously. Well, then I, I think we'll have some some new uh, swag. For there'll be a bunch of t-shirts on the podcast pictures and on TSM you know, sets. We'll have. I'll have them on sets. Yep. And yeah, looking forward to that. All yeah, right, it'll be cool. And then your other, you know, the the main business that you you help operate, uh, Greenlit Entertainment. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've at uh, up to this point we've maybe mentioned it very briefly, but. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Greenlit's a, uh, you know, creative agency, marketing agency for the entertainment world, just to put it, you know, kind of minutely. Um, We handle marketing, advertising, publicity, EPK packages, you know, for entertainment, primarily features, but we can do episodics, we could do, you know, we've done work for comedians and stuff. And so we're kind of very versed in that world as far as what we can do. But I mean, we just handle, you know, soup to kitchen, what a producer would need to, you know, kind of market and show and sell his movie. So, you know, development side, we help develop the pitch packages that, you know, so the producer doesn't have to spend valuable time doing that. He can be selling, we'll develop the pitch package. Um, and then when it comes to pre-production, that's usually when we come on board to do the behind the scenes you know, video, EPK work, um, unit photography, all those sort of things. And we run that all the way through post-production. And then in post-production and release, you know, we'll do, we'll edit the trailers. We can do the AV cutdowns. We can do the posters. We've done the photography for the, for several posters before. We don't, um, we're also capable of doing, you know, implementing the photography into the final poster or we can just pass it off. Um, and then, you know, just all the other stuff that comes, social media, ID segment, you know, marketing, ID segmentation, you know, all that stuff, typical marketing stuff just applied to the entertainment world. Yeah. And you've gotten into all these different business ventures because of. Yeah. Largely Greenlit opened that up for me. Um, I started Greenlit because, you know, I had a lot of conversations with my partner, Stu, um, who's up in New York, um, just after attending a lot of film festivals and stuff. And actually the film festival where it kind of uh, hit me was the first time I met you it was that sunscreen after we oh, met that's right and we were in like a producer's panel together and i was just sitting there and i was listening to the questions the other you know at that point i'd, I'd already been in the industry a long time and so i sit there in those panels and i hear the questions that people ask you know the panelists and you find out real quick just kind of how much do people not know and you know how much are they not prepared for when they're making their movie i mean excuse me the producers were literally having to tell them, like, you need to make sure you have money set aside to do, you know, photography and all these other assets, because if you don't have it, you know, a distributor might not even pick you up. And if you don't know that, um, you're kind of leaving yourself in, you know, a really bad position from the start. So I kind of said, well, there needs to be more education in this area, but there's also a big wide door for someone to come in and handle this for people, you know, right up front. And, so that's when we started Greenlit and, you know, man, it's been two years and within two months of starting the company, we had work with Lionsgate and Ambi distribution. Um, 
so it's been a wild ride. Um, I know our concept works, you know, um, but now it's just trying to figure out how do we expand the business model, you know, get into larger films. Um, cause you know, we really started out servicing the indies and the indie producers. And now we kind of want to start working on larger projects while not forgetting our roots and not, you know, forgetting to work with the indie producers. Um, so I should say that if you're ever looking us up, you know, there's no project too small, you know, and you um, guys have proven that I've actually, right. I've actually done some BTS work for you guys on, on, yep. uh, on some of the smaller indie stuff, um, in central Florida. Mm-hmm. And, and those are fun. I mean, because in my opinion, you actually have a little bit more creative freedom because... Yeah, they're not over your shoulder about anything. Exactly. All all you really need to do when you're delivering BTS material, you know, to a distributor is that you just need to make sure that, you know, obviously the B, capturing the B roll is pretty straightforward, but when you're doing your interviews, that's the most important part. Like, are the interviews done to match the feel and the theme of the movie? And, you know, the questions you're asking. So, like, when we do a kid's movie, we talk, we make sure we talk to the, the child stars of the movie pretty consistently. And we want to make sure that the questions aren't all, you know, it's not like talking to Sam Mendes about 1917, you know, where you're getting very technical. You're asking why is it, you know, why are you doing this movie in a one shot? You know, all those things. But something like a Bernie the Dolphin, Bernie the Dolphin uh, EPK needs to be a little bit more whimsical, fun, you know. Uh, more about the experience of the movie and less about the technicalities of it, you know? Um, so you really need to know your project. And um, outside of that, I mean, you're just free to play. Get interesting B-roll footage, you know, put cameras places you wouldn't think about putting it. So you get an interesting view of how stuff happens. Um, and yeah, you know, had the, the freedom, like you said, the freedom to create. I've always liked... BT, uh, BTS. I mean, so it's kind of funny that I got into that stuff because, you know, I was the guy that when I got the Blu-rays and the DVDs back in the day, I almost popped them in to watch the behind the scenes, the making of stuff first before I even watched the movie because most likely I'd seen the movie already. I just wanted to see all the cool, you know, how was it made, you know, behind the scenes stuff. And I've always overly appreciated movies that had, you know, really good making ofs, you know, like hour, hour and a half making of and really dived into the depth of how it was made. Um, so I think it's a kind of full circle that I'm actually doing it now. Works out well for you. Yeah. Um, well from there, I'm not sure where to go to be be (laughs) completely honest. Yeah. I mean, so just to round me out and then I'll hop on you is, you know, outside of greenlit, um, I'm also a production coordinator and, you know, UPM and line producer in the area. And so I would say I'm doing three or four films in that capacity. And then probably on half of those projects, Greenlit will also be doing stuff as well. And so I'm kind of tag teaming all that. And like those three or four films are all happening in a span of two months. So I'm doing that on multiple films. And then next week I go up to Boston for work for an entire week. And so it's, there's a lot happening all at once. I, I feel like I need to be the, you know, what's that? The, well, never mind. I just need to have many arms. Oh, okay. You're going with like an octopus yeah. or something? No, no, no. The, um, I just need to have many arms or like two copies of me at, at Gemini, you know, Gemini man. Oh, Gemini situation. man. Yeah. Okay. Well, but, um, you started in, you primarily started in the G&E department. I mean, mm-hmm. I, funny enough, I met you and immediately yep. thought of you as a key grip. Um, oh, I learned I, I learned shortly thereafter you were more than that. Oh, so now I know I want to know what your definition of a key grip is. Why you if you immediately thought of me as a key grip? Because I worked with you as a key grip. Oh, okay. That, I thought it was going to be no, for some other reason. No, no, no. It was it was Man. because the the very first job that Mystique um, is dead. It, um, Andrew hired me to be his first AC on a job. Yeah, and you were the key grip on. Like that's just how I was that before the big was that before the big storm stuff though. Well, it it was when you guys were working for the agency in the area, um, and it was was the first job the music video. No, the first that would have been the second, and that's that's when I actually realized and that I he, was directing that. Yeah, because that's when I was like, oh shit, he is not just a key grip. I mean, he, it's it's not being you know it's not a negative. No, it's, no, no I don't, I'm not seeing um, it that way. I'm just I honestly at this point. It would have been the big storm uh, Valentine's Day. 
And um, I was directing that as well. You were, but you, I didn't, I didn't, pro, I, I knew you were, you know, staff with the, the agency, right. but you were, you were helping Fernando make the circle dolly and oh, yeah, the yeah. tracks <clears throat> and hanging lights. And I mean, and just in well, talking to I mean, you, we were a small crew shit yeah. needed to get done. So, yeah. but in, and you were, you had told me that you had a, you know, you were kind of a key grip in the area and that that's how you, you know, mm-hmm. You know, that, so, so when you say that and then right. I see it, I'm like, oh shit, like dude knows what he's doing and knows how to level track and all that fun stuff. So, yeah. um, where my question is going is how did, how the hell did you jump from being a key grip to UPM? Like that's, that's, oh, man. that's not, that's By not being a, awesome. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not egotistical at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's one <clears throat> hell of a sidestep. Yeah. No. So, uh, I started in Broadway. That's where I I went in the went into college, really kind of not knowing what I was gonna do. Thought I was gonna probably, you know, go into the military like my old man. And but it always kind of felt like a if I can't figure out what I wanna do, that's what I'll do situation, you know? Um and then just randomly one day I got like a flyer from Full Sail saying film school, not having loved movies and acted as a kid, like never really thought film school or a career in film was a thing. Um, long story short, ended up, you know, touring a bunch of campuses, decided that's what I want to do. But in the meantime, I was going to finish my AA degree at the community college I was at. And I decided to go over there and start volunteering on the shows that they do. Um, I ended up switching from a general um, AA to an associate of science in theater stage and technology. And so my AA is in that. And I ended up doing that for like four or five years. And I became the house, the house scenic painter and assistant director there. And, you know, met a bunch of really good mentors. And without knowing, you know, I learned Shakespeare. I learned a lot of the, you know, kind of how film and all this stuff really came to be because it started with stage, you know. And so I think that really helped me out. And then from there, I went to UT for film school. And I was there two years, and that's when I met Andrew and everyone. And because I had already been in the union for stagehand work, doing theater stuff, I had a really practical, you know, I had that kind of below-the-line knowledge already on, on a lot of stuff. A lot of that translates over. And so when I met Andrew, and he was kind of starting to work with the grip house and work in the area, we just kind of immediately clicked because, you know, he needed other people and vice versa. So I started working on set with him on stuff <clears throat> and that's just kind of how it came to be is I, I just kind of naturally moved on to grip and electric stuff because I met Andrew and because I had that, you know, knowledge already, I was able to transfer it over really quickly. Um, but I think everyone that goes into film school kind of wants to be really creative and make their own stuff at the same time. So even being in grip and electric, I think almost everyone on set has that creative itch, you know? And so I would still do my own projects on the side and, you know, do other things. And so all those people that knew me professionally also knew that I did side stuff and would usually work with me on that stuff. And I had two, you know, really big key grips that were really influential in my life. Um, they kind of took me back and forth to different cities. I learned a lot. I learned about techno cranes from them. I learned, you know, quite, I bested for them for a while. And so that kind of helped me grow professionally. Um, and I was coming back from new Orleans doing some techno crane stuff and Stu called me and said, we need, you know, a producer up here in Tennessee at this agency that I'm you know, kind of helping get off the ground. And I knew the guy, Brian Burke, that was, you know, that had started the whole thing. I had done, he was a DP down here in Florida before he moved up there and I had worked on projects with him. So it was kind of a good fit. So I went up there for probably about six to eight months. And, uh, I ended up coming back down, uh, when Andrew called and said, I'm now at an agency and we need a producer here. Um, and it was just kind of natural to want to come back to Florida. You know, this is where I was comfortable at. This is where my family is. And so I took that as an opportunity to come back. And then that's also when uh, me and Joe got serious and, you know, moved in together and everything. And so I came back and did that for, oh, geez, 
2014 until 2018. So I did that for four years, um, working as the senior producer at that agency here in Clearwater. And we had a, we had a bunch of different clients, all types. Um, they're all different industries. Um, and my job being a senior producer there just kind of ranged, you know, from writing the copy to directing to producing and, you know, shoot, actually shooting and editing and stuff as well. So it was pretty versed. And, um, then when that day was done and I was no longer with that agency, um, you know, I went back in the, there was an opportunity to work on a DC film. Andrew brought me on. Uh, I'd been working with Andrew so long that he trusted me to be his key grip. And it was a pretty big project. It was a, uh, Kevin Smith. It was the first segment of Kevin Smith's Kilroy was here movie. And so Andrew wanted someone that he could trust. And I went and key gripped for him. And ever since then, I've been back in the industry, you know, and over the, over those last two years, you know, just been, uh, key gripping. And, um, then I started greenlit and that's been that. So haven't really done any directing since 2018, but yeah, so that's how I become switched back between key grip and, you know, that year of key gripping and running greenlit, they found out that DC also found out that I could produce and manage and they needed that position. And so that's when they said like, can you start doing this for us? And I was, and I was more than willing to say like, yes, you mean get up in the morning and not hurt. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because being in, being in the G&E department, you're, your bones ache after a while. Yeah. Um, No matter, no matter the age you, you know, obviously as you get older, it hurts more, but it's, it's a rigorous position. What is it, Indy? I might be butchering this, but what is it? Indy says it's the, it's the mileage, not the years. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the biggest, the biggest takeaway from that is you, there's you no s- one way. Well, you still, you still grip, you yep. still produce, yep. Yep. you still write copy. You're, you know, getting into the t-shirt industry. Um, yeah, it's, you know. it's just the people who, you know, I kind of have an entrepreneur mindset. I'm not set. I'm also, we're also developing a board game based around the film industry. So I have an entrepreneurial mindset. Like I like to try and do different things. I don't like to just do one thing. Um, and I kind of well, have putting in the hustle. I mean, you have to, you have to, yeah, you have to be open to every it's idea. trying to find avenues. I think the bigger thing is trying to find avenues to just be creative. And I think what the clothing line and the board games allow me to do are have a new avenue into something I don't really know about because at this point, you know, yes, I learn new things on set every day. I don't get up with the butterflies anymore. Cause when I first started doing it, man, like, dude, I had stomach cramps, didn't sleep. You know, you're so nervous. You're like, if I fuck it up, am I going to work again? So I don't have that anymore. So I'm trying to find something that where I'm like, do I know what the fuck I'm doing? You know, do I need to call somebody that does, or do I just, you know, figure it out myself, which is what I've always done. Cause even though I went to film school, I self-taught myself editing and, you know, self-taught myself how to use most of the cameras and everything. So just trying to find, I think that new pressure point of, you know, getting the butterflies and the nervousness again. So getting all sentimental. Yeah. You know, all right. Well, what about you? The dreaded Enough question. about me. What about the, you? The, the dreaded question. Yeah. Um, Give me the, because, you know, all this that we've known each other and we've sat down and have, we have beer and, you know, we t- or whiskey and we talk and we do whatever. It's always about what's coming up and what is the next plan and, you know, how did this thing go? We've never sat down and really talked about you because I know you're a Southern boy like me, but I don't really know much about you. You know, <laughs> I know we have a lot of similarities you know, we like a lot of the same things except the same football team. So that's okay. I mean, we all can't be winners, but you know, tell me more about you. Um, how'd you get started? Cause I don't know. Dear God. Ex- outside of Scientology. What? Outside of Scientology. Well, that's where you met Andrew. That's where I, I met him on a job. I'm, I'm not saying you're a Scientologist. I w- I w- I'm, yeah, well, we need to clarify that for, <laughs> <laughs> for, for the listeners right now. You even, you even got me frozen on that one. I was like, um, no, I met him on a job yeah. that w- the job was by a Scientologist musician. Yes, Chick Corea, right? Yes, Chick Corea. Yeah. 
and him and I met each other there and walked away from the three day job going, what the hell just happened? Um, <laughs> then we got, then we got coffee like three days later and we're like, we're just reminiscing. We're like, how, how do they function without production people on staff? Cause they were, they were so incredibly nice. Mm-hmm but had no idea what went into That's de- always a story. developing the set and, yeah. you know, lighting. I mean, they had this riggedy, weird um, grid that fire, fire marshal actually shut it down. Like a month after the job, they were getting ready for another job and the fire marshal did one of their, you know, phone calls like, hey, you know, it's the yearly review. And they came by and they were like, nope, all this has to come down. This isn't the code. So you have 48 hours. So they had called Andrew and had to pay his day rate plus OT to take it all down. Uh, Andrew was there for like a 13 hour day, he told me. Yeah, I remember all this. and, And then it got taken down, got approved. Then they put up a real grid, had to spend like double or triple the money. And then had to relight the the set. It was absolutely hysterical. So, yeah, because everything you know, I always hear the the complaining part, the backside of yeah. what Andrew has to do. So I got all the, but it's it, you know, I got all the complaining, but none of the excitement. Well, yeah, I mean, he told them that it wasn't to code, that right. it was you know all this, and then you know, fast forward a month, and they actually get burned for it. Right. They moved production. The second production day actually got moved like two weeks because of it. Yeah. So they just completely got hosed and had to spend stupid money. Listen I mean, to your gaffers, people. It's not a bad thing. Or just listen to professionals. I mean, if yeah. you know, take thirty seconds to talk to someone, you can kind of start seeing through the bullshit. Yeah. Um, and you know, but so yeah, that's where I met Andrew. But um, my backstory is very weird. I. Um, went to Florida state. So when, you know, when it's time to go to college, you know, mm-hmm. it was always a big thing for my parents for me to go to college. So I was doing the whole college tour, looking at UCF, USF, yeah. uh, FSU. And, um, so uh, you went straight to four years. You didn't do community college no, first, straight, straight to four years. I was, um, that was, I, I applied to five colleges, two in Indiana. Cause that's where I grew up. Um, two in Indiana and then three in Florida. Uh, UCF, USF, and Florida State, um, and then Ball State and IU, mm-hmm. and it was to be an electrical engineer. Um, so I chose Florida State, uh, went and did a tour there, um, chose immediately. I mean, an hour into the drive home with my parents, it was like, oh, so Florida State. So you were going to college to be an electrical engineer, yep. and you hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's because I, I mean, I grew up like always like fixing stuff and, mm-hmm. and making computers and okay. being a nerd in that you regard. You built your own computer, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. Multiple times. I did the same thing. I did the, I did the Hackintosh at one point. Oh yeah. I never did that. Yeah. I did the Hackintosh, <laughs> spent like five days getting that shit sorted out oh, and then, wow. and then had it in college for like a year, year and a half. And it worked great until the dreaded update. Um, cause you always have to, you always had to not do the update and then it actually burned me cause it auto updated one time oh, man. and I lost everything. That was lovely times. Um, but yeah, I, I went to Florida State to be an electrical engineer first semester. That's what I'm taking taking classes to start getting my prerequisites. And um, end of my first semester as a freshman, I just said, nope, this isn't for me. Um, I had already applied for film school. Um, well, I, then I applied for film school, thought I wanted to go back into some sort of media film degree, um, got denied had no right to be in film school. I didn't, I didn't have the credentials. I didn't have the, the experience, the knowledge base, none of that. So them denying me was the best thing that could have happened. But at the same time, I didn't belong in, I didn't belong in the film school at the time. I mean, you know, obviously if I would have had the same knowledge base as I do now, I in theory should have been accepted. But, um, then I went into media production. You were trying to get into film school though as a bachelor's, right? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, who has the knowledge base to go into film school for a bachelor's? They they only accept 20 people a year. It's very, it's it's very, I got rejected from FSU as well. It's, it happens and it's not a bad thing, quite frankly. So, um, so I love sports. I had done a few things in high school with media production and sports and whatnot. So I applied for the media production program in the communications department, got accepted there. And went that went down that road. Uh, worked for Seminole Productions for my junior and senior year, and WFSU TV in Tallahassee. And those were my two part time jobs, um, paying for rent and 
you know, I, I, my parents helped me when they could, but I was working in order to pay for college and, um, you know, working for Seminole Productions. I mean, I worked as a technical director for my senior year for Florida State football games. I got a few freelance gigs with TV networks in the area as like a camera operator. Um, I was fully immersed in the sports world, um, thinking that's the route I was going to take. Film at that point was not even a concept. Um, Owning a business was not even a concept. It was, oh, I'm going to be a technical director. I'm going to, you know, work in sports. I'm going to be in trucks. I'm going to one day work, you know, at the Super Bowl and, you know, all these kind of avenues. I worked Florida State basketball, baseball, um, anything that was in the area. And then um, graduated decently high in, in, in my program and got a job at IMG Academy down in Bradenton as their videographer and editor. You know, sport, big sport complex, um, obviously under the IMG brand that does so much as some people may or may not know, um, you know, headquartered up in New York and they have a branch down here in Bradenton. That's their high school, college and professional sport complex, uh, training complex. Is is New York just corporate? Yeah, corporate. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they have branches out in LA as well. Like they're all over the place. So, but they just have this small little like hub that's just like essentially a school or in a training ground in Bradenton. And I, I worked there for two years. How did you, how did you get from the FSU to that? Did someone at FSU kind of tell you about it? And no, there was, there was a job posting on like Indeed or something and I mm. applied. And because of all my sports background, um, it 100% correlated to IMG Academy, which right. is just 100% sports. And they were just looking for a videographer and editor to make profile pieces. And when they have um, NFL guys coming in to for training in the off season or college guys coming in to do combine training and basketball players. I mean, while I was at IMG, I met Cam Newton. I met Iman Shuppert, um, basketball player, um, Amari Stoudemire, uh, Manti Teo, um, you know, and, you know, three dozen other players on a yearly basis or on a monthly basis even. Um, but those are some of the big, you know, ones that I had met and, um, you know, Eric Reed with the 49ers. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of them are really down to earth, cool people, a few not, but most, mm-hmm. for the most part, they, they really are. Um, and, um, um, you know, tennis players, golf players, you know, uh, some of which are, you know, names are eluding me, but I, I met a shit ton of them, got, you know, interviewed them, got B-roll, all this fun stuff. But I was there for two years. And at the end of the two years, I, um, Brittany and I had just gotten, got engaged and, um, our wedding was coming up and, um, well, we had just gotten engaged, no wedding yet. Um, and I just, it was time for a change because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't moving up. I had, very politely asked for some more responsibility for maybe a title change. Um, I was kind of a one man band for the most part. I could hire a few freelancers here and there, but there was no like video department. It was Kevin. Right. (laughs) It was the Kevin department. And I did that. I did literally everything and worked 50, 60, 70 hour weeks. And yeah. And having kind of run some of that at the agency as well, you know, it's always a problem when you do too much. Yeah. Is that where do you go from there? Yeah, I mean, because I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily getting that much better. I wasn't right. growing, um, and I loved having a camera in my hands. But I also had to produce. I also had to edit. I also had to deal with any sort of live event that took place. I had to, you know, crew that or be the technical director on it. It was just, it was too much. So, right. um, so I went on to a um, production company. Actually, funny enough, like five minutes down the road. And I was there for a year and I started as, um, just a cinematographer and like associate editor. Like I kind of had a little bit of a hybrid role and within six months, I, next thing you know, I was the director of photography there. Um, the director of photography left to pursue other, um, um, career ambitions and they just said, well, we need an actual DP and you know, you know, you know, the gear, you know what we're doing here and they just gave me the promotion like six months into working at that production company. Um, you know, they had, they had a red, um, had cage full of lot, you know, fancy toys. And mm-hmm. we just were shooting on a not on a nonstop basis. We were shooting content at, you know, two, three times a, a week. And, um, there was a team of seven of us and I was just shooting nonstop 
Uh, and that's when I really started getting the, the itch to be more of a DP and more of a cinematographer, uh, more, you know, make pretty images rather than just like running gun mm-hmm. and just press record and pray to God, I got something half decent useful, which to make a video, to make a edit out of later. Yeah. And that's what IMG had turned into. Cause I mean, I was, you know, from eight to nine, I had to be on the tennis courts and then from nine fifteen to noon, I had to be over at golf and then I had to eat lunch in three and a half minutes flat and then be over at football. It, just, you know, how the hell am I going to make good content when I'm just running around? Right. And I'm, that's, that's not feasible. Um, so towards the end of my one year, pretty much right at the one year mark at that production company, um, the owner of the company, (laughs) fun story, um, owner of the company, um, he is a serial entrepreneur owned like 10, 11, 12 companies. Right. So we were just a company he owned. God, this sounds so much like... Yeah, right? Well, it gets so much better. Um, and there is, for the record, no exaggeration in this story. Uh, I have... I, I can... I Alyssa, who we'll hear from in a few episodes, can very much attest to... Because that's where I met Alyssa. Oh, okay. Um, she was at the production company? She was at the production company. She was an associate producer there. Oh, yeah. Um, and handled the social media. So he... The, the owner of the company woke up one day... I, it was like a Tuesday, right? Woke up in the middle of the night. God had told him. Oh, God. <laughs> God had told him in a dream to um, make the production company um, a faith, uh, to only work for faith-based organizations or churches. So he comes in Wednesday morning, immediately calls in my boss, who was the uh, lead, you know, senior producer and director, calls him into the office and he's like, hey, effective immediately. We're only working for churches. We're only doing church content, faith-based organizations, nonprofits that are faith-oriented. God told me that we need to focus and not have additional clientele. So any active clients finish the job, be done with them. Don't re-sign anything. Don't sign anything new. Um, if we're in the middle of a job and we can find an out, find the out, um, just immediately now, now, now let's do this. God told me (laughs) to, to do this. So, um, so my, my boss who I was very close with, he was definitely one of my mentors. Um, 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 boss man, uh, uh, boss man Duke is what I would always call him. And, he calls me and he's like, Hey, so <laughs> this is what happened. Um, so you see what had happened was <laughs> anytime it starts that way. Yeah. I, I walked in, I was like, what's, what's up boss man. And, um, Jimmy Duke and, and he, he's like, so yeah. So he tells me the whole story, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what the just happened? I, I, it's like nine 30 in the morning. I've, I've had one cup of coffee. I'm like approving edits in the back. Cause we're in the back of the building. Um, and I was, and he's like, yeah, and you really can't tell anybody cause I'm going to try and convince him not to do this, but I just wanted to give you a heads up because, um, I know you're about to get married. wedding was like a month away at this point, maybe even like three weeks away. He's like, I know you're about to get married. And I I think you can, you probably should maybe consider moving on, moving on. And I, I am telling you this because you know, you're, you have time to look for something else. Yeah. So, um, that's crazy. So I go home, talk to my wife. I reach out to every connection I possibly have made over my, at this point, three years living in the area, right? email, text, phone calls. And a few days later, I put in my two week notice in. Mm-hmm. Well, that two week notice falls right around wedding day. Oh, geez. <laughs> so two week notice, I went, went and got married um, and came back, went on a honeymoon, came back, worked like three more days and I was out. That was it. See see you later. So, so not only did, um, we had just bought a house. We had been a year into having a mortgage and having a house, but just came back from a honeymoon and I am freelancing full time. So it sounds crazy as all hell now. Cause that was back in 20, that would have been 2015. So, I mean, we're four and a half years later. I mean, you know, still married, have our new house and have baby number two on the way. So obviously very different um, financial situation. Don't, I don't recommend this to anybody, but, um, the moral of the story is if you need to make a change in your career, make it. 
Oh, 100%. I mean, like, you just, you have to, you have to jump ship sometimes and you have to see the writing on the wall. Yeah. And that's what I saw at that company is I saw the writing on the wall and I didn't, it's not that the direction the company was going to go was wrong. It just wasn't right for me. Right. Um, now the company no longer exists. Of course not. <laughs> and it, um, it fell flat. Everybody left. Everybody left. And he had no one to execute that vision. And a few people got relocated to other businesses that he owned. Mm -hmm. And a few people, one or two got laid off. There was only seven of us. So So, when you talk about the agency world and that whole thing, it's like, and being happy and doing what you love, right? I mean, when me and Andrew were at White Line, like we delayed the inevitable probably a year or more. Because when I first got there, it was bustling what creative people were very hopeful about what it was going to be and, you know, what it was and everything. And um, we were doing a lot of, we were doing fun stuff. You know, we weren't micromanaged. Um, But then the cards, you know, slowly began to fall, you know, the dominoes. When I got there, it was probably about 20 people, you know, project managers, graphics department, um, video, creative team, web team, you know, the works from, it was a full on agency. And by the time I would say a year and a half in, we had been dwindled down to like five people. Two years in, it was just me and Andrew left and we were doing everything those people were doing. Two guys. We had to learn websites, how to build websites you know, we would still outsource the graphic stuff just because like, that's so specialized. You're not going to become a graphic designer overnight and that stuff needed to happen too quick, but we had to do everything else, you know, and we made it happen. But for though, but for that whole time, I would say, you know, after the first year, it was, it was just not fun. And it, and it, it made it really hard. The reason why it's important to do something you're enjoying is because especially in a creative field, it ekes. You know, like that pressure and that paranoia and that all that ekes into the creativity that you were trying to do. And I would know, like, there would be times where I would go to work and be like, am I going to be fired today? You know, and I have to create creative content at the same time. And that's not fucking easy. Like, so while all that was being delayed, like we should have just got out two years sooner, you know, the both of us, but at the same time by, you know, pushing it and pushing it, I really had a great reel of content that I got to build for some brands. And at the same time, you know, that's what led me to meeting DC, you know, and led me to being able to do what I was going to do. But yes, a hundred percent. And you got to, you know, do what's best for you and not think about, you know, because those companies will undoubtedly, unless you're one of the very few lucky people that works at a place to where they are employee minded, that company is always going to think of itself first. Yeah. It's, it's more times than not is the situation. And, um, man, I still remember to this day on my, on my last day, I tried to go to the, 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 the owner, um, and, you know, like I said, the, the entrepreneur that owned like right. 10, 11 businesses, however many. And I tried to go to his office to shake his hand and say goodbye and say thank you for the opportunity. And, you know, I, I had a, I had a job for a year and I learned so much. I mean, I grew from a videographer, which is just a lovely word, right? Yeah. Um, so demeaning when someone uses it sometimes. Sometimes. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of times, you know, even for Two Stories Media, we have clients and we use the word videographer all the time. Right. Because clients don't know the difference right. between a videographer, cinematographer, director of photography. Yeah. They honestly think that it's all the same. And if you look, and in some context, it really is. It depends on how the person uses the word, right? Um, especially clients. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's definitely not the same, but I think that the videographer term, it can be used demeaningly towards people that are videographers. 100%. From people that are cinematographers. Yeah, that gets batted around a lot. We have, we have just embraced the word at, right. at TSM just for the sole fact that- I don't client, think, yeah, there's client, nothing wrong with the word. Because clients yeah, don't know 100%. better. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we are actually cinematographers and directors of photography here, um, you know, with me being the DP, but, you know, I, I employ- cinematographers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we go to jobs, 
client will just say like, oh, the videographer's here. And they're just saying it. They just don't know. Better. They don't know. But that's, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that because right. they're not saying it in a demeaning way. Right. But, um, you know, I've, at that, at the, at the production company, uh, down in Bradenton, I, I grew from a videographer into a cinematographer and was starting to get my feet wet as a DP. And I try to go to, you know, not uh, go knock on the guy's door and his assistant's like, oh, he's in a meeting right now. I was like, oh, well, when, you know, you know, when's the meeting over? And he's like, oh, he's been in this meeting for a while. I really don't know. And I was like, well, like, what's it on its calendar? Like, can I, I just, I'm literally, I leave in a few hours. I just wanted to say thank you. He said, oh, I'll let you know when he's out of this meeting. I was like, oh, perfect. I go back over there. I say my goodbyes to everybody. And on the little loop back around, because it was a little, the building was pretty much a big circle, right? Mm-hmm. So on the loop back around, I was like, oh, let me stop at his office. Like, say thank you. And his assistant's like, oh, he's, um, he is, he's here. Just give him like 10 minutes. I was like, all right, perfect. Sounds good. Just, you know, I'll be um, saying bye to the last like two people down the hall. And I, I circle back around and I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm leaving. Like, he's like, he's like, oh, well, yeah, he's leaving here in a minute anyway. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just tell him that you said thank you. And I was like, okay. Um, found out like three months later that the guy threw a party for two other people that were leaving. Like a thank you party, like a farewell that were heading out to L.A. Well, one of them was heading to L.A., one was going um, going to Georgia shortly mm. after. And I was like... Oh, so he didn't like that I put my short my two weeks notice in so abruptly after his after his changeover after his um you yeah. know midnight you know dream. But you know I I didn't get hired on a film one time because I was uh told that I wasn't uh, okayed by God. It oh. was a it was a Christian movie I believe, but I was told that um, that's interesting. The 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 producer did not hear back from God on hiring me, and so they. <laughs> They could not go forward with hiring me, and it's, I was it, like, "It's okay. fu- it's funny the things we hear in this industry." But um, I learned so much at that company. I mean, from I was able to DP a five part series um, that was actually written and directed by one of the employees there, uh, mm-hmm. Keenan. Um, came up with a awesome script for the for the five part series. Um, what was it about? It was it was it was a faith based project. Mm-hmm. Um, and was this before? But this was before he had decided that it. It was gonna yeah. do the changeover. Yeah. So you had faith based clients before yes. that. Yes. Yes, we did. Okay. Um, and, and several that were not. And it was just kind of how 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 it kind of rolled. And it's because his connections, the owner's connections, were all faith based. Gotcha. So then we had a few that were not faith based. Um, and and once again, it doesn't bother me either way. A project's a project. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my heart and soul right. into all of them. Um, but it was a, it was a five part um video series that was um learning lessons about the bible in its simple in its simplest form um but it taught me how to be a dp it gave mm-hmm. me the just the starting point and you know i i took a lot of lessons from from that company for the good lessons and the bad lessons sure. um and you know not not being able to say bye to the guy i i was like, all right, that's how it's going to be. But it taught me that that was one of the companies that was going to do what's right for him. And he was going to give two shits about anyone else. Influence how you're going to do your companies later on. So, I mean, at this point, you know, TSM has, um, you know, we're, we have five employees, um, you know, and they all, they all matter. Like no, no one is above anyone else. We all have our responsibilities and, and I, I would hope that anybody, you know, on not only the freelancers, but also the full-timers, you know, doors always open. Yep. And, and yeah, I learned, I learned from that, from that guy that, you know, oh, we, you know, he's, oh, he always had his door closed, uh, just never could be reached. He was always so busy because he owned so many companies and, and we were always kind of like the, yeah, oh, these are, these are the video people. Uh, he yeah. would just like randomly walk into our office and be like, all right, guys, um, I need this filmed in 20 minutes. And it'd be like, yeah, you kind of, you look over and you're like, what? Yeah. That's like, the same <laughs> stuff that would happen at, at White Line because I mean, it was owned by a family as well. And I will never do a situation like that again, where it is owned by, you know, one heavily involved individual. And it's not just looked at as a company, you know, because more often than not, you're really just there for their uses rather than being a functional company. Um, Painful, right? Right. And it just makes it the job even harder. But um, 
Yeah, that's crazy, man. And then so after you got out of that, you started freelancing. That's when you met Andrew. Yep. Right? Yep. And then that's when we met. Yep. And, and Brittany and I were doing like some side gigs with, um, you know, companies. So and what finally we, made you decide to do your own thing with TSM? So we actually, Brittany start, essentially started, I mean, not essentially, she started the company. She mm-hmm. started it as a wedding photography and wedding videography company. <sighs> yeah. So I did some wedding videos. Um, oh, oh, man, I want to see these. What and, are they? But remember, this is this is just to... To me, the wedding video game was, there was, it was always a means to an end from literally the very first wedding video I did to the last one I did. I looked at it as learn how to shoot better, learn about cameras, learn about audio, learn about using natural light and in some situations using lights, but it was always a means to an end. It was you know, get the yeah, paycheck I and learn. I don't mean to sound demeaning. Oh, no, no, no. Trust me. Really well done wedding videography is extremely well done. Yes. And the people that do it as a profession and they really enjoy doing it. Yep. Hey, all the power to them. Yeah, I like, still that's, look. That's great. I just personally, I've tried it a couple of times oh and God, I was like, painful. Jesus, I will never, I'm never taking one of these jobs again. Oh, I can't I, do it. I would always be like, is the, is the bride not going to show up? Please. <laughs> Please, it's it's okay if you don't. It's yeah. okay. It's the day I'll still get paid. You're full. showing up instead of the dad to the bride to have the last conversation. And be like, look, you don't have to go out there today. My my day my day ends early, but the paycheck is still cleared. Um, and you know, at that point, I've already shot for like two out two three four hours. Like, I, right. I've got some footage. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Welcome to my welcome to my sixth sense of humor. Brittany's always like, "Do people know that you're joking?" I'm like, "I hope so. Otherwise, I just sound like an ass." <laughs> That's my problem. <laughs> but most of the time, it's probably just being an ass. Yeah. But anyways, um, I love people. So I essentially started picking up other clients because weddings were not my thing. Right. Um, and started doing you know some photography for this client, some video for this client, and towards about a year and a half in. We went through a little bit of a rebrand and Two Stories Media was was developed and we kind of boomed because we took every anything and everything that was video done and we took it off our website, did not brand for it. And, you know, now you see the red, black and white logo and it's all it's very uh, commercialized. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what we what we specialize in. We do advertising, commercial and marketing collateral on a, on a regular basis, which I know is not film, but it's certainly a hell of a lot closer than weddings. Yeah. Um, and and there's a lot of a lot of content that we make that is, you know, I'm very proud of, you know, I, you guys I, do a TV show for the pool stuff is yeah, well, for yeah. the pool guy. Yeah, I don't, we I, we do we do a TV show for a company based down in um, uh, Port Charlotte, uh, Superior Pools. Um, beautiful pools that will range from fifty thousand up to three hundred thousand. Yeah, and you can only imagine what a three hundred thousand dollar pool looks like at a resort. Um, right. But they they do uh, amazing work, and there's a TV show centered around them, and uh, it airs between. Um, um, Palmetto, Bradenton area, all the way down to Naples. So it's it's essentially their region. Um, do we do work for University of South Florida for a few of the different colleges? Um, and you know, I, I you're aware of all the different clients. We actually I've been back to IMG on a, two or three different occasions um, and done done commercial content down there. So it's it's fun. But being in the film industry has taught me a lot, but it all started at that production company. And even though I left in a very abrupt way and wasn't really, you know, people didn't really like that I left so abruptly. It was the decision that was right for me. And I've always, I've always told crew guys that have worked for us or just friends or whatever, you know, I, I, I definitely live off the mantra that, you know, you have to do what's best for you and your family. And I've, you know, I don't know if you've personally heard me say that, but I know people who are, who know me have heard me say it on a uh, litany of times. Well, we had that conversation um, during, Tripo- you know, during Tripati oh, or right, right after it when, you know, you came to me and said, I don't know how much more I'm going to be able to best best boy for you yep, because that's right. TSM's really taken off. And I told you then, I was like, you got to do what's right for you. Yeah. I'll, f- I'll be able to find somebody, yep. you know, like you need to, your business, you need to make your business rock, you know, like who am I? If I try to hold you back from my own game, yeah, and you it know? worked out because the next movie in April was because that that took well, that took place in April. The next movie in May 
was... It was that Not Alone. Not Alone, that's right. Yeah. Um, and Fernando came down from Atlanta and bested for you. He and, bested for me at that point on. Uh, you know, it, where he actually came to replace you on Japati. The last week because the I got... The last a, week. And then from then on, that's right. Fernando best boyed for me the like the rest of the year. Yep, because the first two weeks of Japati, I was actually in... Um, mm-hmm. I was actually in the negotiation stages or the first week of Drapati, I was actually in the final negotiation stages to get a commercial for one of the colleges at USF. And like day six of Drapati, they ended up signing. I remember looking down at my phone, seeing an email come through saying that I have a signed contract. And I was like, Oh shit. The game's changing. And, um, that was one of the first like real jobs that I lined up. Like, you know, at that point I, you know, good amount of, you know, small commercial work, if you want to call it that. Um, but that was like the first big one. And um, they were like, all right, well, really the only, you know, in, in the negotiation stations, they were like, hey, the, really the only caveat is, well, you have to shoot, you know, April, whatever the date was, like 25th. And I'm like, and this is like April 5th, April 6th, they've said this. And I'm like, yep. yeah, I'll make that work. I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, well, I'll find a replacement. Um, Josh, you know, is going to 100% be on board with this. I, I know him and you're right. Fernando came down, finished that week for me, hopped on, not alone. And it worked out for him because that's what he wants to do is he wants to be in the G and E department. He wants to mm-hmm. best, he wants to key grip. And, and it only, it only worked for everybody, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, but you gotta, you gotta make decisions that are best for you and your family. And I, yeah, I, I mean, very you, much you try to, that. I mean, unless the person, you know, deserves it, you try to not bone people yeah. in the process. And it, but it, you know, once again, you know, for, for those listening, like this, if is, you're just honest with people up front and it, you, you let them know things as soon as it pops up, like we knew there was going to be a possibility of stuff under potty. Yeah. Cause and I'd already, I'd already told you, you like, up hey, front with me about I'm it. I'm in the negotiation stages. Right. I, I showed you my lookbook. I, you know, that makes a big difference, you know, because it allows me to be, it allows whoever you're dealing with to be prepared. Yeah. Cause you'd already sent a text to Fernando being yeah. like, Hey, I'll know in about two or three days, but would you be available? And he's like, I have nothing going on that right. week. Like I can be down there in a heartbeat. Do you want, <laughs> I think he was even like, do you want me for more days? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I think the take, so the takeaway from there is like, if you're in a similar situation, don't be afraid about talking to the person yeah. because here's the thing, like they're either going to have a reaction like me and you know, you're going to work with that person again or in remain friends, or they're going to react like the dude at that company. Yeah. And, and just, you know, that's the point where we part ways. Yeah. Like, and that's that not a bad thing because right. then you just know that person is not, he's going to, um, he's, he's, He's just not going to be reasonable because right. it's, it's, it's quite frankly, it's a really unreasonable reaction to like not wish someone well, right. especially when they can take a really big step in their career or in this case, our business. Um, and you know, fast forward two years, you know, that's crazy to think that that was two years ago. Um, and TSM is doing great. Yeah. I mean, we upgraded studios. That's obviously where we're recording this at right now. And we're, we're making, we're making content on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, like I'm on set and I think, I, I think it's nine out of the next 13 days and only two of those days I'm freelancing for someone else there. The rest is TSM jobs and we're, we're booming. We're having, we're having fun and we're making good content for good people at, you know, at, at various companies. So, so that's, that's really where it is. And then when it comes to the film industry, I, I freelance for, you know, various commercial jobs and for other films as, you know, Mm -hmm. I still day play for, for Andrew and, and, you know, occasionally when you key grip, Mm -hmm. I'll still day play and and be in the G and E department or second AC or first AC. Um, you know, I, I'm not really able to not only because of TSM, but because I have a two and a half year old and my wife's pregnant with the second. Well, I'm not and, able to take a month long job on a film right now. Yeah, but and honestly, anyways, I consider, you know, the commercial industry, even though it's not movies, like I consider the commercial, the high end commercial industry and stuff to be very similar, to be a part of the same thing. You know, a lot of times we cross over, you know, people that work on movies cross over and do commercial work, yep. no matter how small or how big. And so, you know, I kind of feel those to be the same thing. And so we'll probably, I think in the future, we'll probably actually have, you know, marketers on, yep. we'll probably have commercial people on. It's not all just going to be, you know, film only related people, maybe some actors too, because I feel like that's a part of the 
you know, large picture of the industry. And, and, it's, and it depends uh, on the market too. I mean, hundred <clears> percent. <throat> and also kind of, you know, just like my career, how I started in, you know, theater and bounced around to agency and then back to film, you know, there's, there's no one clear path no. to getting to where you want to be. And even when you think you're where you want to be, you're either going to do another job or you might go somewhere else. And so I feel like a lot of the knowledge is in that whole area of how did someone get where they're at nowadays? You yeah, know? because like, if I if I hop on a commercial or a film as a first AC, I'm still pulling focus. Right. Like same I, thing. It, the it, focus doesn't pull any different on a commercial no. as opposed to a movie. You know, key grip. Like if you're on a commercial, you could be you could have one hell of a day in the G and E department on a film set or a commercial set. It doesn't right. matter. Or you could have a super easy day. Yeah. It, it's just how it is. Whether you're, you know, talking talking with. Um, Talking with Zach, which I, I, at this point, this Zach's episode comes up in a week, two no, weeks. No, no, no. Two weeks. Zach's not until February. Because we, And- we have Andrew. Well, then. We, we just think, need to yeah. just go back and. Yeah, I'm going to. Um, so, I mean, and, and when you're talking to people like Zach Ramos, mm-hmm. you know, he's um, a set designer. And and his he, he when, when you talk to him, you realize, like, he takes a film job or a commercial job equally as seriously. And right. he's j- just as talented on whatever job. So you're right. And, and depends on the market because if you're talking Pinellas County, there's films and commercials that are done here. But if you're talking Orlando, there's a, there's primarily commercials in Orlando. Right. Well, it's, it's booming movies and TV shows now. Well, but. it's booming TV shows more than movies for right. sure, which it depends on how you look at it. TV is, is it more of a film or is it more of a commercial? And I, com- convers- that's where it comes back to. It's, I think it's all just part of the same pie. Yeah, it is. You but know? you know, when you're, when you're kind of getting to the nitty gritty and you want, you know, it's not for this podcast, but is TV more of a film or is it more of a, or is it more just a long commercial? Depends on the, the. Oh, I guess how you look at it, but I would still see it as a narrative. I think it's more of a film personally, but yeah. I've had, I've had interesting conversations where people I'm, that think the TV episodes are more of just a big commercial, uh, commercial sets, commercial, oh, sets. commercial sets. No, 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 I'm not talking like I'm talking sets. Yeah, um, yeah. so sorry if I didn't clarify that to begin with. Um, but, uh, really the biggest thing I want, I would like to reiterate is, you know, for, for those listening, you heard both Josh and I's kind of backstory on how we got to where we are. And, but, there's one thing that's consistent is you got, if you're, if you need to make a change or you're not happy, make the change. And if you're two weeks away from getting married and you're able to do it, leave that job. It, I mean, when I, when I left, uh, the agency and went to do that movie, I was getting married like a yep. week or two later. Yep. It was the same thing. There's no good, there's never a good time. No. You just do it when it's best no. for you no. and it's not. you know, and, be and, honest and upfront about it. The the ones that succeed are the ones that make make a move at the right time and they make it pretty abrupt. There, it, it's quite frankly the the only way to do it. Um, Don't let yourself get taken advantage of. Because I would say the biggest difference between me and you is that you know I stuck around a lot longer. Like me and Andrew stuck around at that place a lot longer than we should have. You were miserable at the end. We were miserable. I I I got that news and I was like, you know what? Before I get miserable, I'm out. Yeah. Like I I had already kind of seen like interesting things transpiring over like the you know two weeks leading up to that news, but it you know I was just you know more just observing. I was like, oh that's interesting. Oh that's interesting. But like nothing was like no red flags were going off. And then right. that that news happened and I was like I went home and I was like, all right, honey. So we're gonna be doing something different. Yeah. I I got to make a change. And she's like, let's do it. Yeah. You know, we didn't have a kid at the time. You know, it's obviously very different. But even then, like, I mean, my wife was in my ear probably two years worth being like, mm-hmm. you got to you got to get out of there. What are you doing? You know, like so. But, but, you know, you hit me up when you left and you're like, look, man, like if you need if you need a PA on your jobs, like mm-hmm. I and the same. same it was up- that transitional period yep. of just like, you know, even now, if I'm really slow I, and it, or there's nothing going on, I just get antsy. And that's you know, why I think I start just putting my hands in other pies and stuff. I have to be doing something, you know, I'm not afraid, you know, given my background and what I've done, dude, I'm not afraid to get dirty, you know? So if I got some free time, I'd rather be making a buck than just sitting on my butt and not doing anything. Yep. I mean, and I, I still, I still grip two, three times a month because it's, it's more fun than just sitting in the office doing nothing. Like, 
you know, I, I, yes, I have to run a company, but I, 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 I can't just be an admin and I never right. will be. I mean, right. I, I have my, you know, two or three times a month that I'm, I'm more of an admin that I would even like to be, um, you know, sending invoices. That's and, just, that's uh, just doing business. But baby. that's just, but I, I'm, I'd rather, I'd rather be, I'd rather be in the field. I'd rather, you know, even be a second AC or swing yeah. or, or, or heck even PA on, you know, on, on the bigger jobs. Um, it yeah. doesn't bother me because that's how you learn and that's how you grow. And the people who are above that are not going to last very long in the industry. Yep. So with that being said, uh, stop listening to our podcast and go do something. Yeah. All right. Um, hit us up if you need anything and we'll, um, we'll, you'll hear us the next and next Monday. Great out, Kevin. Way to stick the landing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, we're not going to use that. I hope. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be in there. I'm just going to put the tag after it. (laughs) I'm the editor. So, you know, what I choose stays. Damn it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry. If you gained any value from the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you have suggestions for guests or topics, contact us on Instagram at Filmmaker's Guide to the Industry. This show was recorded at Two Stories Media Studios in Clearwater, Florida and produced by Two Stories Media and Greenlit Entertainment.